Hello, and welcome to Fiduciary Talk, brought to you by FI360. I'm Dwayne Thompson, Senior Policy Analyst at FI360. It's my pleasure to have Blaine Aiken, Executive Chairman of FI360, here with me to discuss some recent developments with money market funds. Welcome, Blaine. Thank you, Dwayne. It's uh, always good to be with you. Same here. Uh, today we're going to look at changes to the SEC's liquidity rules for money market funds. Uh, Blaine, uh, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the background of the rule and, and how it came about. Then I could uh, jump in and, and talk a little bit about what the rule uh, does, and then we can kind of take it from there. So would you like to kick it off? Sure. So essentially the changes have resulted uh, from that stock market crash of 2008 uh, when the reserve primary fund what you would say broke the buck, or in other words, that uh, long-standing uh, $1 net asset value that had been stable, uh, well, that that value went down to, I think it was $0.97 cents whenever uh, we had these uh, the turmoil in the markets. And Lehman Brothers at that time had just declared bankruptcy. That led to a lot of panic among investors, uh, including the investors in the reserve fund that held a significant amount of uh, debt. And so, you know, at this time, the money market funds lost something like $350 billion in only a few days before the, the Treasury stepped in and, and guaranteed the value on a temporary basis for the funds. Uh, so the SEC felt the need to step in and make changes uh, also not only with regard to liquidity and the market risk in money funds, but, uh, but broadly across the board. So uh, it's currently proposing changes to get a better handle on the risk that exists uh, in the equity funds, such as the use of derivatives. And uh, so, you know, after considerable debate, the SEC adopted the final rule reforming money market funds in July of 2014. Um, but knowing that the industry would need time to adjust, the SEC provided an extended deadline of nearly 27 months. Uh, so in, as you mentioned, the, uh, the new rule will go into effect on October the 14th. Okay, well thanks, Blaine. Um, uh, it's interesting to see because we're starting to, to see uh, a, a fair amount about uh, the money market rules in, in the trade press and also the Wall Street Journal recently, but it doesn't have to do necessarily with how the rule affects uh, advisors and plans, but more just the implementation, uh, the changes going on for money market funds uh, in the industry. And uh, anyway, so uh, let me uh, provide a quick overview of what the rule does. Uh, first and, and most important, it divides money market funds into three separate kind of buckets, uh, institutional retail and, and government money market funds. And what does this mean? Well, institutional uh, money markets are singled out for special treatment uh, because that's where the, most of the redemptions occurred uh, during the financial crisis. So as a result, the SEC has designated institutional funds as having a floating NAV like other mutual funds. So no longer would they have that stable $1 share price. And the price uh, goes out uh, four decimal points from a dollar if, if it has a dollar price. And, and it can fluctuate daily. On the other hand, retail and government money market funds will retain a stable $1 value, uh, with the main difference being uh, the fund boards for all three types of money market funds can impose 
so-called gates to temporarily stop uh, investor redemptions during a financial panic, and also have the option to impose liquidity fees uh, up to, I think, a 2% uh, uh, fee for uh, redemptions, which is, uh, even though it's called a liquidity fee, is really a, basically a penalty for uh, taking your money out during a panic. And, uh, and finally, uh, government funds are unique uh, because they are required to restrict their holdings to 99.5% in uh, fixed income, government bonds, treasuries, and cash. Uh, the, the big difference between government funds and the other two uh, types of funds are that uh, their fund boards are not required to impose gates or fees at all, which makes it very attractive to investors who want to ensure that they're going to have access uh, to their cash at all times. So uh, uh, that takes us up to the present time. And uh, what's happening right now uh, with plans, and, and what should fiduciary advisors be doing, Blaine? Well, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, we've certainly seen a lot of changes already, uh, and we've seen announcements by a lot of fund families of how they're reorganizing their money market funds. It does appear that government funds uh, will be the big winners. Uh, many fund groups are using them for sweep accounts. Many companies that need cash flow on short notice, you know, they don't want to take a chance by investing in the institutional funds that could either stop redemptions on a moment's notice uh, at a time whenever they uh, need cash or slow them down through uh, imposition of fees and things like that. Uh, others also seem to prefer the government funds for the same reason. Now, you know, nobody wants their clients or participants complaining that they can't get to their money. So, you know, we might want to talk a little bit about uh, what specifically uh, if fiduciaries involved with plans or at the individual level uh, or uh, specifically what advisors might want to do overall. So let me just touch on the plan front uh, first. Uh, plan sponsors, investment committees, and their advisors uh, should really have already begun the process of reviewing their fixed income options uh, in preparation for this October 14 deadline. Uh, they probably should go to the retail or government funds if there are concerns about liquidity needs uh, for their participants, since they may need to rebalance portfolios or because they, you know, that we could have uh, departures from uh, the company plan or they may have already retired. So you know, these are the types of things that have to go into considerations for uh, how the plans are going to respond here. And you know, given the low yield environment, some may even want to consider stable value funds as an alternative, which we might talk a little bit more about in in a minute or two. But okay, let me uh, let me uh, talk about the 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 retail, the individual clients, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, I, I think what you said about short-term liquidity needs holds true as well for uh, retail clients. Uh, you know, that maybe they're uh, getting ready to put down a, a major down payment on a car or home, or or they have uh, a big college tuition payments uh, before the beginning of the semester for their kids, and and maybe just to have uh, uh, access uh, for for sort of an emergency fund. Uh, there, there is concern about uh, uh, gates, you know, uh, restricting access. So uh, that could be inconvenient uh, for some investors, and as a result, uh, I think that's why we're seeing uh, a preference for government money market funds. And, and the investment companies know this, and, and that's why I, I think I read in investment news uh, this last week that uh, I, 
I think a half a trillion has already migrated from prime funds into into the new government money market fund. So uh, I, th- I think liquidity is is the uh, word of the day in in terms of this new rule. Um, but uh, so uh, you know, on the downside, obviously, government funds are going to have uh, lower yields than any other any other money market funds. But uh, given the low yield environment right now, uh, Blaine. It, doesn't seem like it makes much difference in terms of uh, uh, a few basis points here and there. Yeah, you know, Dwayne, if we then think about what that means for advisors, uh, there's a well-known obligation of advisors to assure the meeting suitability requirements on the various investment recommendations that are made. Uh, but, you know, we've often thought of money market funds as being probably the, the, the lowest on the ladder of things we have to worry about. But uh, here's a situation where we do need to ramp up the due diligence. Uh, advisors will have to periodically monitor the performance of the money market funds that they've recommended. Uh, and even more importantly, they really need to look at the risk dimension to this. Uh, what what uh, kind of provisions have been made for uh, to either stop redemptions, slow them down through fees, and so forth. So uh, a deeper look at what is exactly involved in the mutual money market funds, rather, that, uh, that are under consideration. Now, the new rule does require additional disclosure of liquidity levels at each fund and uh, whether the fund offers uh, sponsorship support to maintain those $1 uh, share levels. And they also have to disclose any fees or gates that are involved. So uh, it's not like this is all uh, working in the dark, but uh, nevertheless, it's just going to require closer scrutiny. And then, of course, the advisor has ongoing monitoring duties. So you know the new data that's out there does op- offer the opportunity to perform due diligence with, with metrics that uh, really previously weren't available. So. Uh, the job just gets uh, a bit tougher here now that we have uh, these changes coming. And, and Blaine, let, let me ask you, you mentioned stable value funds as, as a potential alternative earlier. Uh, they're not really covered uh, by this rule. Why don't uh, plans, which is the only place uh, available for uh, stable value funds, not just the individual retail client, uh, why, why shouldn't uh, plans just add a stable value fund and get rid of their money markets? Yeah, you know, it's uh, something that is certainly worth looking at, and you might even say required to look at. Uh, It's not a question of uh, just choosing a stable value fund to avoid the the money market funds, though, because uh, all of these decisions that plan fiduciaries and their fiduciary advisors, they need to go through this process of taking a look at what the specific needs of the plan are and which would fit best. So uh, consideration of stable value funds as an alternative to the money market funds is certainly uh, something that should be done by the plans and their and their fiduciary advisors. Uh, but, you know, that's not without risk. And I know you've followed a lot of the litigation that's out there. We've seen it in both directions where uh, there's a... In, uh, a case or two, we have the, the plaintiff saying, well, why didn't you look at stable value funds instead of the money market uh, funds? But, Dwayne, I think we've seen now 
looking at it in the other direction from the plaintiff. Is that right? Yeah. It, well, I, I, I think a few of those cases, uh, that's correct, Blaine, a few of those cases uh, sort of said, okay, you have very low-yield money market funds. Why don't you look at stable value funds? And then you've had some attacks in some of these class actions on stable value funds alleging uh, excessive fees uh, uh, being charged. So, and in a way, it's a little bit like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Uh, but certainly, uh, that's uh, that's part of the job, I would I would say, of, uh, of an advisor to uh, consider reasonable alternatives. And certainly, I think, uh, in light of the the litigation, and and it seems like we we're seeing headlines every day with new class actions filed that uh, it's it's important to certainly look at alternatives, and certainly dig a lot deeper, I think you would agree, uh, with money market due diligence than uh, folks may have done perhaps in the past. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if we, we go back to our uh, the themes that are critical for fiduciaries overall, you know, uh, do uh, consistent due diligence, uh, take a look at the alternatives that are out there, and document the thought process that went into this, because that's really where the protection lies, is uh, being able to demonstrate good business judgment in terms of uh, the recommendations were made and the, and the decisions that ultimately become implemented. So uh, more work ahead, but uh, nevertheless, like you say, it's part of the job. Well, Blaine, thanks again. I uh, never uh, thought that uh, money markets would be in the headlines like they, they are these days, but uh, I appreciate your insights uh, and sharing this information with our audience. Likewise, Dan. Boy, I look forward to the next uh, get-together.